in those moments, God wants us to know of his love and how he demonstrated his love for us. And it's not by showing us uh, or giving us a healthy bank account. God is not giving us uh, nice cars or a nice house to demonstrate his love for us. No. God demonstrated his love for us in giving us of his son. And so he always sets our gaze back on Jesus. When we want to understand God's love for us, set our eyes on Jesus. Because that is how God demonstrated his love towards us. to Cross Connection with Pastor Jay Fulton of Cross Connection, North Jersey. Join us as Pastor Jay teaches through the book of Romans. Have you ever felt that you were unworthy of God's love? The wonderful thing about God's love is that it's not based on anything we do. It never changes, regardless of our successes or our failures, and we cannot be separated from His love. It's unconditional, and He wants us to know it. Pastor Jay reminds us that in addition to his unchanging love, the Holy Spirit dwells in the life of the believer to encourage and guide us on the path he has for us. It's a gift that is ours because of the cross. Now, here's Pastor Jay with part one of his message entitled, The Greatness of God's Love. Romans chapter 5, in verses 6 through 12, And then we're going to jump down towards the end and read verses 20 and 21. And so Paul writes, he says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. And for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. And now at verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, But where sin abounded, grace did abound much more, that as sin hath reigned unto death, and even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. In our text last week, we looked at the first few verses of Romans chapter 5, and we had looked at the benefits of knowing God, the benefits of knowing God, and some of those benefits were highlighted in the text, where we first see that one of the benefits of justification is that man is now at peace with God. No longer warring with God, no longer fighting against God, but having peace with God. The battle and the war that has been raging and that has been waged, it has ceased for those who have been justified by God. Paul would go on to speak of the benefits that we have where we have access to this grace, a life of grace, a life of blessing in Christ. 
not having to work for our salvation, not having to work for our righteousness, but that no deed would set us right before God. And so not only are we redeemed by grace, but we stand in that grace. And so grace will see us through from the beginning and to the end. And because of that, because of the enduring love that God has for us, we know that we can have faith in tribulation. We can have faith during difficult trials. And we saw that. And we'll see that again in Romans chapter 8, where it says, for all things work together for good to them that are called, that love the Lord. All things, even the difficult things, even the hurtful things of life, God will work those things out for good in our lives. And it's one of the blessings of grace, one of the benefits of grace in our lives. And so this section here that we're going to pick up with at verse 6 is a continuation of the blessings of knowing God. But in particular, it underscores for us the greatness of God's love. The greatness of God's love. And I would submit to you that these verses are very important for us. Because though Romans can be a technical book and uh, there's some weighty theological matter, it's important for us to begin to understand these things. Because not only is God's grace sure that we can have confidence in it, but that his grace endures, his love endures. And so we pick up in verse 6, where Paul writes, he says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. It's when we had no ability, no strength, no capacity to deal with the enmity that was between us and God. And one of the things this scripture here underscores for us is the fact that God's love is greater than the world's love. That his love far outweighs, far supersedes the love that the world has. Man was guilty of warring against God. It began in the garden. It was after the first sin of Adam and Eve. The second sin is recorded of Cain's murder of his brother Abel. And God had spoke to Cain and said, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. And Cain being in this state, he murdered his brother. So from the beginning, even the warnings of God were not heeded. Man being guilty of fighting against his creator, fighting against his maker. And so God says to us that when we were without strength, that ability to redeem ourselves, that ability to be right before God, it says that he came and he died for us. He didn't die for the godly, he died for the ungodly. And so the world tends to evaluate love based upon what it would get in return for that love. And we see that oftentimes in society. We may be, we've practiced love that way or we've been the recipient of love that way where it's determined based upon what we can give in return. And this is what the scripture is saying here. saying scarcely will, will one die for an upright man, even an upright man, a righteous man, that most people will not die for such a person. You know, that person who has the personal piety, good standing citizen. And if we were to take a poll and raise our hands, how many of us would say that we would die for an upright man? I don't know. I would dare to say that all of our hands would stay down. Or perhaps for one that does good deeds, even for a good man, you know, one who does good works for somebody else. Maybe, the scripture says, you might get someone that is willing to die for that person. And yet Christ died for us while we were his enemies. Imagine dying for your enemy. 
Think of the person in this past week or two past two weeks or this past year that has hurt you deeply. It has maybe called you names. And maybe you feel like you don't even want to see them or talk to them, let alone die for them. And yet this is what God has done for us. And the Christian life isn't always easy. The scriptures promise us that. The scriptures tell us of that. And sometimes we can get the impression from preachers that uh, the Christian life should be easy, that it's all, you know, good times. And that's not true. Because sometimes, because of that, when we run into these difficulties, we can question God's love for us. But if God died for us while we were sinners, how much more will he endure? And the reality is in this life, as we all know, is that we are often pressed on all sides. And it's when those moments come, when you are in trouble, when you are in despair, when things are very difficult, when your relationships are fractured, in those moments, God wants us to know of his love and how he demonstrated his love for us. And it's not by showing us uh, or giving us a healthy bank account. God is not giving us uh, nice cars or a nice house to demonstrate his love for us. No. God demonstrated his love for us in giving us of his son. And so he always sets our gaze back on Jesus. When we want to understand God's love for us, set our eyes on Jesus. Because that is how God demonstrated his love towards us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And one of the other things that it tells us is that God's love for us is unconditional. His love for us is wonderfully unconditional. And I'm thankful for that. Because there are a lot of conditions in my life. And I submit that there's a lot of conditions in your life. That if it was conditional, we would be in and out of God's love. But God's love is unconditional, and we are thankful for that. I think of the prophet Hosea. When God had come to the nation, and he looked at the nation, and the nation under the reign of Jeroboam, they had moved into this era of prosperity. And with that prosperity, they began to forsake the Lord. They began to leave the Lord, and they began to find themselves entangled in all kinds of sin and idolatry. And God comes to the prophet Hosea and tells Hosea to take for himself a prostitute as a wife. So Hosea did this. And God was going to demonstrate to Hosea so that he could speak to the nation that the unfaithfulness of his wife and the hurt and the pain that it would cause him is the same thing that the Lord feels for the nation. That after having redeemed the nation, having after delivered the nation, having provided for the nation, after having been faithful to the nation, the nation turned its back on him. And so this is what happened. But God, during that, had also promised Hosea that he would restore the nation and that he would have mercy on them. Utterly rebellious before God. Utterly rebellious, and yet he speaks of his mercy. He speaks of his love and his faithfulness. And so it's true that the proof of love is always in the gift. When a couple gets married they are gifting themselves to one another. The ultimate expression of love is to give of one's life. John 3.16, we know that verse. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Imagine that. Imagine that kind of love. For those of us who are parents, imagine giving your only son for those who despise you, for those who rebel against you, for those who hate you. And Jesus said, I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
That was his purpose, and that was his mission, that he would come and he would call sinners to repentance, that he wanted to restore. The ministry of reconciliation, bringing man back in union with God. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He didn't come to make life better in that sense. It wasn't his primary goal was to make a bad life good, but his primary goal was to make a dead person become alive. And with that expression of love and with that giving of his life, we're going to see through the scriptures that he's going to give us so much more. God gives us of his Holy Spirit. In fact, the Bible describes the Holy Spirit as the helper. Who is the Holy Spirit helping? Well, he's helping us. He's helping us in this life. The Lord knows the challenges and the difficulties that we have in this life. So he gives us the Holy Spirit, the helper, to help us to be able to live the life that God has intended for us. And so, you know, I imagine a scene when we get to heaven and we think back over our lives and we think of the road and the course that God has given to us. And many of us, we've gotten off the course and we've stepped away and we've detoured from what God has wanted us to do. And maybe we've wallowed in the mud and we've wallowed in sin. And yet the Lord brings us back and he sets us on this path, on this course that he has for our life. And we go on again and we hit road bumps and we want to detour. We want to get off this road and this course that the Lord has for us. In fact, some of us try to turn back and the Lord will say no. And he puts us back on this road and on this course and he sends his angels. He gives us of the Holy Spirit. He sends other believers to help us along this way. And then when we stand before him, we hear the words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And looking back at that scenario, we can say there was nothing faithful about me, but that God, you were faithful. But he attributes that faithfulness to us because of our trust in Christ. That's the kind of love that God has. That's the kind of love that he gives to his people. It's unconditional. And I would submit to you that if you have been hurt by someone that you love, know this, that God desires to mend a broken heart. God desires to repair the wounds. Because in the same way that we don't grieve as the world grieves as believers, also the world doesn't love the way our God loves. And that in him, And in his presence is the fullness of joy, and he can restore that in our lives. He can restore that because of his love for us. And so we see that God's love is not like the world's love. But then beginning in verse 9, he says, Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. He says, much more. If God is willing to reconcile us to his son and reconcile us to himself, How much more would all the other blessings flow after that? If being justified by his blood, that we're going to be saved from the wrath through him. And understand this, that salvation is a process. Notice the words there. He says, we shall be saved from wrath through him. There is a day, there is a coming judgment. And that coming judgment, God has saved us from it. And we will be saved from it. We are justified But the ultimate fulfillment of that salvation is yet in the future. And so the question is, how can someone know it's enduring? Lord, how do I know you're going to get me to the finish line? How can I be sure? I've been let down by so many other people. How do I know, Lord? Can I put my trust in you? Can I put my stock in you? How do we know it will endure? Not just for our present sins, but for the sins that I commit down the road. 
And the rationale or the argument that Paul gives is this. He says, when we were enemies, think about this. When we were enemies with God, he reconciled us. He reconciled us. And that word reconciled means, it's the Greek word katalasso, which simply means the exchanging of a hostile relationship for a peaceful one. God exchanged the the relationship of wrath and enmity for one of peace, which necessitates the removal of sin, bringing us together. So therefore, if God was willing to do that, how much more through his son will he keep us to complete that work that he's begun in us? And the Bible speaks of that promise that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. And so we can rest in that, that we don't have to try to complete the work, but that the work in him is complete. And I know that our tendency is to go back to that place of works. Because if you're anything like me, as a young believer, I struggled with my salvation. In fact, I told myself I had to get saved two and three and four times. But through God's grace, there's nothing we can do to earn it or merit it. And God freely gives it as we put our trust in his son. And so because of this fact, we can joy in Christ. And he says this in verse 10, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by this life. Verse 11, And not only so, but we also joy, or your Bibles might say rejoice, in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement or the reconciliation. Because of the fact of God's enduring love, we can joy or we can rejoice. In fact, another word that can be used to translate this is that we can boast in God. We can take our confidence in God through Jesus Christ. And our joy is always available to us, thinking back and meditating on the fact that when we breathe our last breath, that we need not go to hell. Our joy is not in other things. Because what this life means, and what we've come to realize as we grow in the Lord and as we mature in the Lord, our hearts long for heaven, our hearts begin to long for him, and we begin to know that nothing short of God will satisfy us. And nothing short of our lives will satisfy God. And so we can have confidence in our salvation. We can receive it with faith. You know, it's interesting. One of God's provision as he gives us of his Holy Spirit to grow us and mature us is the fact that a little faith will bring a soul into heaven. A little faith will bring a soul into heaven, but a strong faith will bring heaven into the soul. It will bring that life to bear on that individual. I think of Psalm 32 It says, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. This life we have in Christ where we can rejoice and we can joy due to the fact that God's love is enduring, that it never runs out, that it's always there. Or Psalm 33, verse 1, it says, rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. It's the right thing to do. It's what we do. It's an outpouring of our heart to him. And so God's love is enduring. His love never fails. His love never runs out. And we can rest and be assured of that because he's the author and the finisher of our faith, the scriptures tell us. 
One of the other things we want to note here in verse 12 as we move on in the text. He says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And one of the things we want to note here in this next section is that God's love is greater than our sin. That God's love is greater than our sin. We've seen that God's love is greater than the world's, that his love is enduring, but that his love now is also greater than our sin. And Paul begins to deal with the issue of sin. Prior to this, he was dealing with our sins, plural, the sins that we commit. But there is the issue of sin affecting this world, and Paul begins to deal with that original sin. He's going to begin to show that the remedy here is Christ. And so he says, well, until the law, in verse 13, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. And nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come, but not as the offense, so as also the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, and Jesus Christ hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, and so is the gift. For the judgment was by one condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Once we were delivered from the penalty of sin, that is, the judgment and the wrath that is to come, there's still the question of the old nature, that issue of sin in our lives. And Paul is writing here, and he's demonstrating how we are delivered from the issue of sin as well as from our individual sins, that God has given us a new nature. And in giving us a new nature, it's the promise of the hope in the future that is to come. And so how does he do this? He begins by comparing two men. He compares Adam and Christ. Two men, two acts, and two different results. The only two men ever born sinless, and yet the one we see gave himself to sin. And so what Paul is writing to us in verse 14, he says that sin and death are ours in Adam. And that's what he says. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. We inherited this sin nature. And so death reigned. And death reigns in the life of those who don't know the Lord. I think of some of my family members who I've spoken to and, and friends for that matter too, who don't know the Lord and they fear death. But for the believer, oh, death, where is your sting? The bite has been taken out of death. God has conquered death. I would never want to face death alone. I would never want to face death without Christ. Death is the enemy. And the existence of death is the proof that man is linked to Adam. And that something has gone woefully wrong in this world. We look out in this world and we see death and we see decay. That indicates to us that there is something wrong, that things are not perfect. And so God has conquered this death. And so sin and death, that's what we inherited from Adam. We've inherited this, this life. 
thanks so much for joining us today for this edition of Cross Connection Radio with Jay Fulton. We are currently making our way verse by verse through the book of Romans here on Cross Connection Radio. If you've been blessed by today's message, we would love to hear from you. Drop us a note via email at info at crossconnectionradio.com. Maybe you're listening today and you need prayer. We invite you to send us an email at that same address. Again, that's info at crossconnectionradio.com. Just type prayer request in the subject line so that we can easily identify your request. And we will be sure to pray for you. If you're in the Northeast New Jersey area, we'd like to invite you to join us for our Sunday morning worship service at 11 a.m. To learn more, visit crossconnectionradio.com and click on the link Church from the main menu at the top of the page. There you'll find all the information you need, including our service times, location, and driving directions. And now, on behalf of Cross Connection Radio, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and your financial support. To financially support this ministry, please visit CrossConnectionRadio.com and click on the support option in the main menu. Be sure to join us next time as we continue our study through the Book of Romans with Pastor Jay right here on Cross Connection Radio. Better.